Well, welcome to Christ's Journey as we gather once again. And I need to tell you, we consider it such a blessing to have the privilege of connecting with you in our worship experience as Christ Journey family. Not only here in South Florida, Kendall Campus, Gables Campus, but across our nation, around our world. And every week when I say that, I want you to know it comes with our prayers. We believe in a God who is big enough to answer a prayer to cover the whole world. So whatever part of the world you are in that he loves, we are praying his blessing of peace for you today. And for those of us gathered here in uh, Miami today, we're happy to welcome our kids joining with our parents and our family together for some time of worship together as families. Now I have something I wanna ask you though. Have you seen the t-shirt? It simply says, Jesus is coming. Quick, look busy. Everybody look busy. Well, it's supposed to be funny, but it really exposes a tendency that I have that's not so helpful. And it's simply this, to clutter my life with busyness. You know, to seek to always be busy, to always have something to do and always be doing something. And I'm telling you, I come by it honestly. My parents, Midwestern parents, I grew up with a Protestant work ethic, and so that means I always want to be busy about something, and I sure don't want to appear to be lazy. You know, I don't want to be lazy, period, but I don't want to appear to be lazy at all. That's the look busy part on that t-shirt. And I want, to, I want others to see that I'm busy, I'm not lazy, and I feel better about myself when I'm busy. How about you? So it makes it hard to relax. So I'm just telling you that because I can relate to that t-shirt. And yet, I do believe Jesus is coming back. That is no joke. And it's time to get ready. Um, but the thought, here's the joke to me, the thought that Jesus can't see through the fact that I think if I'm busy that I must be somehow ready for his return. No, no, no. I believe Jesus can more than see through how our busyness isn't preparing us for his coming, but rather cluttering us sometimes. I think Jesus can see through that and see that our busy busyness complicates our lives. How it wears us down, how it burns us out, how it overloads our system, how it stresses our health. You know, we've got migraines and ulcers and uh, blood pressure issues, illness, fatigue, that all comes. And then with an information age that is always on, 24-7, it is easy to feel overwhelmed. I mean, just trying to, uh, to stay current with all of your communication contacts. Think about it. Not only your phone, but I mean your email, your Facebook, your uh, Instagram, your WhatsApp, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, and then whatever your office system of communication is, your internal systems. Some people have two, three cell phones. I mean, I just have one, but I've got no less than 10 media communication lines on my one phone. And so, and I know it's not just me. Sometimes it just feels crazy. You know what I'm talking about? And I haven't even mentioned the insanity of politics or of fake news or let's take it to the next level. You know what? Holiday season <laughs> is upon us. Deck the halls with boughs of crazy. Decoration shopping and everything else to make the season bright. Is that stress starting to weigh on you yet? 
programs, gift selecting, baking, doing a few of your favorite things. And all of this, this time of year, with the confusion of our culture, do you think that today we could not all benefit from a little perspective to help us with the chaos? I know I could. We chose this series because the Bible is already aware of what social and medical science is rediscovering for our day in these stress-filled times. And here it is, it's simply this. Gratitude is good for you. Gratitude is good for you. Saying thank you isn't just good manners. It turns out it's good for you. It's got health in it. And the passage that we're looking at is a very famous one where the Apostle Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, he doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances, but in them, for this is God's will for you. If you have ever wanted to know, what is God's will for my life? There it is. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Being grateful, saying thank you, is a tool that God gives us for the living of our lives. Actually, it's a weapon. Think of it like this. It's a weapon that you can use to fight discouragement, depression, to reignite vision and passion in your life that can bring healing and the assurance of God's presence to you wherever you are, whatever you're doing. This is a way of welcoming the will of God into your life. It can bring balance to busyness. It can bring peace to perfectionism. It can open a new portal for God's work to work in you, in your life. In other words, saying thank you can make you feel better. I mean, there's a reason to consider it right there. No wonder it's like the centerpiece in Paul's conversation in his council to believers in the great city of Thessalonica, in the first century when it was written. Now, Thessalonica was a wealthy city like ours. It was a free city like ours. Roman troops had never quartered their forces there. It had a beautiful seaport, like, much like we have a beautiful seaport. In strategic significance, its main street was the very road that linked Rome in the west with all of the business possibilities of the east in the world. In other words, it was a great place to uh, make money and get rich. But with all that going for them, the people in that town are nervous about dying. This is what we see in the letter. The believers are anxious about the second coming of Jesus. And uh, they're disrespectful of authority and live on the razor's edge of immorality. I mean, where people make serious mistakes about their lives and about their sexuality. That's where people in this city were living. So Paul writes into the chaos of that time with insight on how to be ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, the first time Jesus came as a baby, we're about to celebrate that with Christmas, right? The second time, he will return as a reigning king. 
And uh, are you ready for that? That's not a bad thing to know. Because if you're ready for the second coming of Christ, then you are ready for every day of your life. Jesus is coming again someday. Jesus himself said, if I go, I will come again. John chapter 14, verse 3. And then the disciples, on the day that Jesus ascended and they're watching him ascend, the angel said to them, Acts chapter 1, verse 11, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come back in the same way that you've seen him go. So he's coming again. In fact, one of every 25 verses in the New Testament speak about Jesus' return or his coming reign over our world. Jesus is coming again. And when he returns, the scripture says he's going to set things to right. Evil will be overthrown, justice will be done, the devil will be cast down, God will take control of oversight. It's going to be a great day if you're ready. And Jesus listed many signs to watch for that will signal for us that we're in the last days. This is not a message about what signs to watch for. Um, but if you ask me, the signs are all telling us it's already time to be ready. I mean, he could return at any moment, and it's time to be ready. And in light of that, here's what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5. Brothers, about the times and dates, we don't need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord, that's the second coming of Christ, will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, then Destruction will come on them suddenly, like labor pains on a, on a pregnant woman. So he gives us two images to think of about the second coming. He says it's going to be like a thief that nobody is expecting. It's going to hit us by surprise. And then secondly, he's going to say it's like a pregnant woman who is expecting, but as that time of arrival comes, the pains intensify. So some people are saying peace. Other people are feeling pain. Does that sound familiar to you? Does that sound like our world? So what can we do to be ready when that moment comes? I hope you'll read the chapter for yourself, but I'd like to summarize it in three categories. In terms of your outside voice, your inside voice, and your inner voice. Now kids, you know what I'm talking about? When I say your outside voice... Right? You know what the outside voice is? That's where it's okay to be seen, it's okay to be heard, it's okay to turn the volume up, to sound off, because sometimes when you're outside, it's hard to get everybody's attention, and you need to turn it up, right? But when you're inside, what does that typically mean? Your inside voice is like ratchet the volume down some, because it, you're already close enough to be heard without full volume. And then your inner voice, do you know what your inner voice is? Right, that's when you're talking to yourself, when you're thinking inside your own head to yourself. So Paul is saying this, in order for believers to be ready for Christ's return, we need to use our outside voice with, to relate with those who are outside the family of God, those who are far from God, in verses 4 through 11, we need to use our inside voice to relate to those who are inside the family of God. That's verses 12 through 15. And then we need to pay attention to our inner voice, give some consideration of our inner voice, verses 16 through 22, 
to help us prepare ourselves for that day. We use our outside voice first to relate to those that are outside the faith at this time. And in order to do that, Paul lists a few things right up front. He says, people who are far from God tend to live lives that are belonging to the night or to the darkness. It's as if they're asleep to the things of God or they need to get themselves drunk to, for some reason. Now, don't take offense with that, please. He's saying that apart from God, we just don't see. We don't, we're, we're not fully aware. It's like we're sleeping or like we're trying to get drunk. Now, why do people do that? We're looking for relief. We're looking for escape. We're looking for fun. You know, so we drink too much, we sleep too much. You know, young people, here's, here's the question he's answering. Why do we want to sleep all the time? Why do people want to get high? Why do people want to get drunk? And one of the answers is this, because we're looking for escape. We're out of touch with God who loves us, so we're looking for escape. We, we want to, we, we're trying to feel something, or we're trying to stop feeling something. We're looking for some relief what somebody has called hiding in the bottle. So we choose fake life over real life. Another thing, when, when we're disconnected to God, we're desperate to feel connection somewhere, and usually to our peers. So you know what we do? We take the hit. We, uh, we do the joint, or we vape, or whatever else it is that will help us feel accepted by those around us. Now, into that kind of scenario, how are believers to live? Well, Paul says, live like a nightlight. You know, a nightlight, like when everything is dark around you, then you have a nightlight because it helps you find the way. That's what he's saying. Be a person of the light. Verse 8, be alert, be self-controlled, not other-controlled, not temptation-controlled, self-controlled, and then put on faith and love and hope. There are things you can do externally. And, and then that's like saying, be the designated driver for those outside the family of God in this situation. Why? Well, their spiritual senses are dead. It's like they're already in the dark. They're dulled. They don't, they don't, they need somebody to help them find their way. Verse 9, that somebody is you. God didn't appoint us for wrath. He's talking about all of us, but for salvation through Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, he just didn't die for those who are in the family of God. He died for those who are in the dark. God's, that we may, we may live together with him. God wants his whole family of faith together. So God's not trying to judge people who are far from him. He's trying to help them find him. It's just like Jesus taught us in John 3, 17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now let me ask you, how do people that are far from God find their way to Jesus? Well, how did you find your way? Somebody helped you. Somebody who knew him helped you. And how do people today in our lives, in our world, find them? A believer helps them. How? By using our outside voice to speak in ways they can understand 
How do we do that? Well, look at verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up. You know, an encouraging word can go so far, especially today, after the Pittsburgh shooting. I, uh, I, I sent out a, on pray.com a prayer uh, to everybody on my contact list, not just on my pray.com list, but I mean everybody on my phone, on my list. I sent it out. And uh, several people started answering me back. This was a surprise to me. Many of my friends who have no church, who have no public faith in Jesus Christ, but they wrote to me in the aftermath of that tragedy saying, thank you for sending me the prayer. Believers, you want to you be ready for Christ's return, then use your outside voice to help those outside the family of faith feel God's love so that they can find their way and be drawn in. And you'll be ready for Christ's return by helping them to take steps toward readiness. And then you know what? They'll have a reason to say thank you as well, because that's what happened to me. Now, speaking of that, you also have to use your inside voice. Your inside voice to... Uh, Speak to those inside the body of believers. In verses 12 through 13, he talks about uh, respecting your leaders, those who seek to care for you. And kids, this is a great opportunity to say thank you to your spiritual leaders, to the volunteers who serve, to your parents, to others who seek to provide a covering for a safe place for you. And then he says in the next verses, be sensitive to the needs of believers around you. And always be patient to everyone, especially when you've been done wrong. There's no way to live up close and get personal with others without taking offense at some point and without having somebody feel like you've been done wrong. But he says, when that happens to you, don't get even, get kinder. That's verses 14 through 15. And then in verses 16 through 22, he offers some insight on your inner voice. So our outside voice, our inside voice with others, this is how we love one another. And then our inner voice, our deep inside voice, the voice where we talk to ourselves, the one that fuels insight on your, uh, your personal attitudes. Do you talk to yourself? Yeah, yeah. I, I think about the guy who said, you know, you talk to yourself a lot, don't you? He said, yeah, I rather enjoy intelligent conversation. It's okay to talk to yourself, but what you're saying matters. Use your deep inner voice to do personal soul care. And here's how Paul writes about that. Be joyful always. This is the soundtrack of your inner life. Be joyful always. Be glad for God's grace at all times. That's what that means. And then he says, pray continually. Pray continually. Never stop praying. Always keep the conversation with God open and going. You know, you know how to stay alive physically? Keep breathing. You know how to stay alive and thrive spiritually? Keep praying. Never stop praying. Keep the conversation going. And then give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean we have to give thanks for everything, but we are to thank God in everything that happens. Why? Thanksgiving is the voice of faith that welcomes God's will. If you want to enter into God's will in your life, here's a ramp. Here's an on-ramp 
to get on the highway to heaven. Give thanks to God in every circumstance of life. Thanksgiving is the voice of faith that welcomes God's will to find you no matter where you are. Now, you may recognize as you read down through the chapter other things that Paul lists here that we also discussed in our series from 1 John. But this one, this one, talking about giving thanks in every circumstance is like hitting the on switch in your circuit breaker box. You know, this is like resetting the power in your powerhouse. He's saying this is something you can do, refreshing your faith and your love. Thanksgiving is the voice of faith. And faith is trusting love. Can I say that again? I mean, when you say thank you to God, you are saying, I trust that God is loving me. When you say thank you to God, you are voicing your trust in being loved by God. And that's a humbling thing. Maybe that's why some of us avoid it. You know, we don't want to appear to be in somebody's debt so we don't say thank you. Or we don't want to appear to not be self-sufficient so we don't say thank you. But as a result, and guys, you know who I'm talking to. You know why I'm saying this because this is what guys typically do. But guys, you know what we're actually doing? We are disconnecting ourselves. We are living disconnected lives. Saying thank you declares our connection to one another, to other people. It's saying, you know what? I'm not all by myself. I'm not all on my own. I'm not isolated. It's not all up to me. Saying thank you is like bringing, you know, one of those William Wallace broadswords and slicing right down through the sham of pride and helps open up a heart of appreciation, of valuing other people and affirming their worth in your life. And you know what happens when you start appreciating others? I mean, for real, and you allow your heart to voice it through your mouth, something starts happening inside you. Don't be surprised when you start to feel something. I mean, you may even start feeling love. And then along with that, you know what happens? Love can start helping you feel compassion and empathy and respect. Respect toward other people. And you know what we're calling that these days, emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is learning how to empathize, how to show compassion, and how to demonstrate respect to others. Paul's already writing about it here. But it's more than simply emotional life that's growing in you. Verse 23, look at this. The God of peace, that means wholeness. W-H-O-L-E, wholeness, will sanctify you. That means saturate you. He's not going to leave any part of you untouched by this through and through till your whole spirit, soul, and body are kept blameless at what? Christ's coming. There we are. You'll be ready for the return of Jesus, not because you're perfect, not because you got it all figured out, not because you covered all your bases and did everything. No, but verse 24, because the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it you know what this says to me only God can live the Christian life but he wants to do it in you in me in us and when we let him do it he bears fruit 
through our lives that impact and influence others. And as a result, we now have even more reason to say thank you. Thank you. Now, speaking of reason to say thank you, this is a perfect day for me to say that our church annual report, our ministry from the past year, has come in and, um, and has listed so many blessings that make me want to say thank you, God. I can't list all of them, but I want to just hit some broad highlights real quickly and invite you to say thank you with me, all right? This year, we have seen over 1,200 people raise their hands in trusting Christ as Savior in our worship experiences in our three campuses. Thank you, Lord. This is wonderful. We have over 2,200 connected in groups. 1,400 adults, over 800 children and students, young people. Thank you, Lord. Lives connecting to one another. This year, our student camp had more teenagers attending than in each one of the previous 10 years. Thank you, Lord. This is a good thing. Thank you, Lord. Additionally, we have 875 of our people who have stepped up and stepped into volunteering to offer service in ministry to others, to love one another in Jesus' name right here. You know what? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We could not do our ministry as a church without you. And especially our family ministry. I mean, I'm thinking, kids, this, this, do you know how much you matter to God? This is how much you matter. Grown-ups are volunteering their time to create a safe space where you can learn and play and be loved and grow uh, in an environment through all of our ministries. And I just want to say thank you, Lord. And I bet you do too. You know, in fact, if you have a kid, grown-ups, if you have a kid sitting beside you or close enough right now, would you just give them a high five and tell them how much they matter to God? Thank you, Lord. This year we also sent 721 beyond our walls on missions of kindness in our city, I mean to not-for-profits and schools, public schools, and then beyond that into the nations, to the world. Seven different nations where we have served the under-resourced and especially at-risk children. Our I want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Our generosity value is strong. I mean, we give our time, our talent, and our treasure in this church. And this was a powerfully generous year. I mean, when all is counted, our mission gifts, once again, we contributed over $1 million worth of effort and contribution in money, time, and effort beyond our walls. You know, our Guatemala medical team just got back. They saw 431 patients in three days. Every one of those patients was prayed over by the doctor that cared for them. And our pastor John told me that three babies with severe respiratory issues may well have had their lives saved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then our Daring Greatly gifts. We committed $2 million over two years, and we are already at the $1.2 million of contribution. What does that mean? All the projects that those are funding for the future have been completed, except our next new campus launch. And we're investigating two possible sites right now. So, you know, as soon as something gets solid, you'll know. Thank you, Lord. In our operating ministries, again, due to your generosity, 
we have ended our fiscal year on budget. Thank you, Lord. I am so thankful for, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for every gift that was given and for every person who gave. Your giving matters. Jesus said this, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So to me, this is an indication of healthy spiritual hearts all stepping up to say, we are bringing our hearts to Christ's journey for the ministry that he has given us to give, to do. Thank you, especially for those of you who gave for the very first time. Over 800 people gave for the very first time. Way to go! Thank you for taking the step of faith. And may I encourage you that as you trust God and you put him first in your life and in your finances, he will provide for you. Behind, around, and in front of all of those numbers that we just reported right there, you know what? Our people. At the heart of who we are, our people. The church is about people. Jesus loves people. God wants to help people. And every one of those numbers represents a story of some person. And speaking of stories, our HR team would like for you to check out these stories of some people they're saying, thank you, Lord, for. For over 90 years, God's blessing has been on the community of Christ Journey Church. He has granted us continued favor to reach the people of Miami and now the world. As we ourselves have grown in the discovery of what it truly means to live as children, saved by the Most High God. It's been said recently that Christ Journey is unique in an exceptional way. Spend some time with us and you'll discover that's exactly right. Christ Journey is unique in an exceptional way because each person that calls this place home is designed that way by God. And we give thanks for all of you. Today we also give thanks to God for seven unique and exceptional staff team members who are celebrating milestone anniversaries of their service. Carmen Burgos, Jose Diaz, and Addis Torres each completed 10 years of ministry on our staff this year. Mariah Alba, Derek Lavelle, and Angie Lopez have served for 20 years on the staff team as of this year. And incredibly, Pastor David Weidman celebrated 35 years of service to the Lord all as part of the Christ Journey family. In today's world, it's unique in an exceptional way when people choose to stay committed and persevere throughout many seasons. So we asked our 2018 legacy staff what they had found significant about their time here at Christ Journey. Here's what they shared. Okay, well, one of the things that stood out, stands out to me um, this past 10 years is we are so flawed and we're so broken, and yet he uses us and he's, he's used me. That to me is amazing. This church is my family. It's just an amazing place to work, so I just always give God the glory because it is a blessing. What I've learned over the years is that no task is too small or too insignificant, that God is, you know, He's going to use you um, to help people find and follow Christ. I'm always impressed with the people in Christ's journey. Um, when we first moved in to Miami, we didn't have any friends. Now we got friends, family, and uh, I'm always impressed with the way that the Christ journey people love God, the way that they serve, the way that they uh, love each other, the way that they reach out to the city, and it's, it's they just love Christ journey people. What always amazes me is um, 
the way we can work with people from all over the world. We have met so many wonderful people from different countries. They come, they meet the Lord, and then they go back to their countries and, and start um, doing ministry. We have people that always come back and say, remember when I was here, what we did? It's always so wonderful and pleasant to, to know that the Lord is working everywhere. One of the things he's shown me is that he can use you anywhere you are. Um, wherever he places you, even if it's where you don't expect to be. And that even in the same place, he will change you. He will grow you. He will ask you to do things you didn't expect to be doing. Even if that makes me uncomfortable, even if that gets me inconvenienced, that that's okay, because he did it for me. Basically, I'll, I'll be behind the scenes, so I like, I like that part, not being up front, taking videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I've learned that, you know, Everything is positive, no negative words. And I use that back in my community to try to, you know, help the young, younger ones mm -hmm. where I coach in. After 35 years of being here, that's more than half my life. So I hardly remember anything but this place. Um, but the, the things that come to mind most about 35 years here relationships with people that I work with, with the pastors that I've served mm. with, with the, all the staff. I love the relationship side of our ministry together. I also think that what drives me, motivates me the most are, are stories. If you've known me very long, you know that I like to tell stories yes, and that no. so I see people's stories. Mm -hmm. I, I see my story and my kids' stories and, and my wife's story and how those stories have interwoven with the stories of hundreds, thousands of people mm -hmm. through 35 years of, um, and of seeing the value of um, church experience in people's lives that the church being the church, the way it's supposed to be the church, mm -hmm. is the hope of the world. On behalf of the Christ Journey Human Resources Committee and our entire church family, I wanna say thank you to the 2018 Legacy Staff team members. Thank you for your dedicated service to our Lord Jesus, his people, and to those still to be reached. Your service of 10, 20, and 35 years has impacted and benefited generations of seekers and believers. You are unique and exceptional in every way. You're cherished as brothers and sisters in Christ and loved as friends. Thank you. I'm thinking, what a thing of beauty. What a gift uh, to get the privilege of serving with these who have served so well for so long and then for all the other staff that join us in our leading and then in our volunteer ministry thank you so much and all of our members and all of our attenders but especially if you're a guest with us today can i just say thank you thank you for being here i'm really glad that you are here today because what this gives us a chance to do is say you know you're the reason that we're doing so much of what we do because we work on our inside voice in this way so that you could hear our outside voice and find your way to experience the love of God in Jesus Christ that can give hope and help for the days ahead right now. Now, believers, what does God want us to do in the meantime? Well, I'll tell you. He wants you to use your 
inner voice to stay connected to the will of God. What does that mean? Give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances. If you want to be ready for the uh, second coming of Jesus Christ, it has to do with the way you treat outside, those people outside our faith. It has to do with how you treat people inside our faith. And it has to do with how you are treating your soul by your inner voice and staying connected to the will of God. So that wherever you go and whatever you do, when you give thanks, you can ramp right up into the fullness of the blessing of God's will. Why don't we do that together now as we pray? Gracious God, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. You have been so good to us in so many ways, and we can't even count them all. But we say thank you for every gift, every touch, every word, every friend, every opportunity that has come our way for the good. And Lord, for the things that we consider to be not so good, and yet how you have made yourself known to us in them, and how our faith has gone deeper, and our love has grown wider, and our fellowship has grown closer, and how you have grown us. Thank you, Lord, for how you use even the hard times for good. And now we pray that you would guide us as we use our inner voice to seek and experience your will. And speaking of God's will, friend, today maybe you're connecting with us for the first time or you would like to know, how can I begin my personal spiritual journey? It starts with a prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe you love me. And I invite you now to forgive me, remove every barrier that has separated me from you in the forgiveness of my sin. And I am turning from my way to go your way and inviting you to come into my life so that I might step into the will that you have for me, your will full of blessing for me. Come into my life, be my savior. I pray in your name, amen.